Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve Schallenberger. I'm your host, Jamie, and you're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. Each episode is a mini training where you'll learn how to achieve extraordinary success. Steve is a number one national best-selling author. He successfully started 11 businesses in three separate industries. He is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and corporate trainer for large and small organizations around the world, executive coach, father of six, and founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, Mr. Steve Schallenberger. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger. And we have a wonderful guest with us from Ontario, Canada, that recently launched together with his partner, Bish, and he can talk about him, a new company through social media. Uh, but before we get started today, I'd like to tell you a little bit about them. Abraham and Bish are two 23-year-old Canadian entrepreneurs who started a company called Truewood. That's T R U. W-O-O-D, in their last semester of university. And Truewood sells affordable and unique fashionable accessories and gives back by plant planting 10 trees for every order. And so far, they've planted over 75,000 trees with the goal of planting 1 million trees by 2018. So welcome to our show today, Abraham. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. I'm pretty excited. Well, good. We're excited to have you. Well, please take a moment, Abraham, and tell our listeners about your background, including any turning points in your life that's had a significant impact on you. And well, we'd love to love to hear your story. Definitely, yeah. So my my story kind of dates back to maybe about five years ago. I was in university. I was studying math and business, and all my friends that were around me, you know. Universities nowadays are kind of tailored towards getting that, you know, that nine to five type of job and, and throughout your whole university career, you're building up and you kind of identify yourself with what you want to do after uh, with respect to finding a, a career. And for me, that career was finance. You know, I was super into finance. I had this dream of becoming an investment banker. <laughs> and, you know, after after like uh, five years of, you know, doing over 100 interviews, I finally got that investment banking job and I was actually supposed to start working full time, um, you know, in, in September that just passed recently. And the year before I did an internship at the same bank that I was supposed to work at. And, you know, I realized that I didn't want to be working for someone who, you know, when you're working for someone, you want to be creating all of the value for yourself. You don't want to be just delivering all the value for someone else, making someone else's dream. And I realized this, you know, five five years into the whole process of getting this job. And, you know, once I actually got it, it wasn't what I, ex I wasn't getting the happiness that I expected myself to. So, you know, over the next couple of months, uh, me and Bishoy, we, he was, he's one of my best friends in the same program as me. And, and we said, you know what, we would, we should start a business. And we started maybe four or five different businesses and, and Truewood is the one that, you know, kind of took off and, and that we kind of grew from there. 
<laughs> what a great background. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Wow. Five years and a hundred interviews, and that's trying to find your way and get into the industry of uh, finance, it sounds like. And then once you're in it, uh, you discovered it just didn't, it wasn't one that really rang your bell. Is that right? Yeah. And I think it happens to a lot of people, right? They kind of build up this pipe dream of, of what's going to happen. And they have this kind of like image, like, this end goal image, you know, once I do this, I'm going to be happy. But I think what I realized was that's not enough. You have to kind of be content with um, the whole process. And for me, the process of investment banking and the the whole like the kind of struggle going through the career itself was just not as enjoyable as I thought. And I think that's why I wasn't as happy. And so once I transitioned into like entrepreneurship, it was like, you know, right now I'm the happiest I've ever been. And it's it's pretty good. <laughs> That's great. You know, part of becoming your best is really finding your niche, uh, your your area where you can fulfill your passion. And some people, it, it is within a larger organization. They can make a contribution and thrive in that type of an arena. But other people, as they discover their talents, find that actually the fit might be better and doing their own thing in entrepreneurship as you you've talked about and so yeah uh I yeah and definitely i i think that like neither is better than the other right like I, different people get different things to tick for them and if you have like a like a full-time job i think there's a lot of merit to that you know you don't you're not pulling your hair out every morning with all the problems you're dealing with for a business and you know you don't have the your your nerves aren't racking that if your business doesn't do well you might be out of a job tomorrow, right? <laughs> like, yep. It's and there's so there's merit. There there is very good merit to why full time jobs are are great, and it just wasn't for me. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, that is the that that's the process of becoming your best. Really listening to what's in your heart and yeah. and what gets you excited, then using your talents to deploy in that way. Now. Uh, Abraham, part of leadership is uh, taking an idea and making it a reality. And you and Bish have, have done that with your Truewood products. So mm -hmm. share with our listeners uh, how this came about. How did the idea come up? And then how did you make it a reality? And then yeah, tell yeah, us so a little about what the model is, too, so people can get a feel of that. Definitely. So the way we kind of started off was and I think this happens for anyone who has this kind of like entrepreneurial bug there's always kind of thoughts of how can I make money off this how could this be a legitimate business how can I add value to people's lives with this product or this service and you know growing up and and especially very recently I found myself constantly thinking of all these uh you know different ways of how I could start a business and so me and Bishoy, we would often just sit there, brainstorm, think of ideas. And if, you know, one of us had an idea, we'd bring it up to the other person and be like, is this a, is this a viable business? Will people hand us money for this product or this service? And, you know, we, we tried a bunch of different products. We tried to sell them. We, we did surveys on what products we think would, would sell. And, you know, me and Bishoy, we, one day, I, uh, one of us, I, I can't remember who it was, but we saw a wooden watch and we were like, you know what, this, this product could, we like, we like the product. We we're like, maybe other people will like it. And we asked around and, and there, there's wooden watches on the market already, but they're selling for like $300. And we said, you know what, 
we know that a lot of people like this product. We've asked a lot of friends. We we've done surveys, and and if we can make a wooden watch for maybe a third of the price, you know, sell it for a hundred bucks instead of three hundred. I think that we we would have a significant market opportunity over there because no one was selling it for a cheap price. They were they were all very expensive. So we kind of took this idea of creating like a low cost wooden watch that was available, kind of affordable to the everyday consumer. And we went online to manufacturing. I I don't know if you've heard of the site Alibaba, but what you can do is you can work with, uh, you know, manufacturers online that are, you know, overseas and you can get products developed for pretty cheap. And so that's what we did. And we kind of, we got our prototype done and then we kind of marketed the product and the the sales started taking off from there. <laughs> wow. One of the things that Abraham and I were talking about before we started today is Becoming Your Best has a entrepreneur success boot camp. This is a two-day event. And uh, we talk about the whole process of taking an idea and making it a ro- you know, reality, but there's a few things that you need to do. And uh, I love some of the examples that you gave, Abraham, and one of those is this idea of actually taking it to the customers and, and asking their opinion. How would you respond to this? And one of the quotes, yeah. one of the quotes I love is that the best business plan will not outlast first contact with the customer. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. You know what I'm that. saying? <laughs> yeah, of course. So, yeah, you never know until you actually try it. And that's something we've learned. And, and you know, we've failed definitely more times than we've succeeded in marketing this product and marketing other products. So, you know, we we might have this, or anyone might have like a great idea built up in their head, but the world is not so nice. You know, the world's pretty cruel out there and she will reject (laughs) your idea right away if it's not what she likes. And if if that's not the reality, no matter how many times we or anyone else tries to delude themselves on, on, you know, how successful a product or a marketing campaign is going to be, it's just not necessarily the case. Well, you have an exciting product and I congratulate you and Bishoy on on what you're doing. How fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and and I'm not sure if your listeners know about us, but we actually incorporated a social aspect to our product as well, and that kind of made it, you know, all more fun. We we actually plant ten trees for every product that we sell, and l- like you said, uh, you know, we planted seventy five thousand trees, and and you know, once you kind of incorporate the social aspect, it just it takes the level of funness for what you're running your business for to a whole nother level because. You're suddenly doing things that are having a legitimate impact in the world. And, you know, aside from the value that you provide to your customers, you're actually delivering some, you know, you're saving people's lives, you're helping the environment. And and for that reason alone, I think it's just worthy of doing a business. Oh, that's outstanding. So how did you come up with the idea to have a social impact aspect associated with your business? Trying to do something. I love it. That's a fabulous idea. Where did that come from? Yeah, and I think Mark Cuban has said this as well. You know, every customer, um, every consumer nowadays, especially the younger generation, they need some type of social aspect to stand behind, right? I think I think it's part of kind of defining your identity nowadays, right? It's like consumers want to be like, you know what, I support this product because I also support the values that this product is pushing. And 
it's just a trend that this is becoming more and more important in everyday society. And so we, we want we wanted to take advantage of that. You know, we we know that um, being being environmentally friendly as a company is just it's so important. All the big companies are doing it nowadays, and especially when you can kind of incorporate this into a social aspect as well. So uh, just to give you some background, our, the, the trees that we plant, they're planted in, in kind of African communities where it refertilizes the soil. And so the areas that we plant trees in, and they're often like fruit trees and, and kind of farm trees, um, it, it also allows the, the, you know, these villages and communities to be able to develop sustainable farming for generations and it creates an income that they can live off of. So having both the social and the environmental factor was was really important. And, and when we market to our customers, you know, all our customers tell us all the time, you know what, we love the fact that you plant 10 trees and that you're doing this. That's the reason why I bought the product. So it's just, you know, the proof is in the pudding. It, it, it's, it's a great cause and it also drives sales. Okay, terrific. Now, uh, that's uh, that's wonderful that you're, planting the trees in Africa. I just, on a side note, out of interest, how do you do, uh, mechanically do that? How do you find the communities? Uh, how do you get yeah. the trees to them? Uh, are, are they seeds and saplings? Or uh, how does that all work? And how are you going to roll out a million trees? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I think, I think what people don't realize now is that there's a lot of opportunity for companies to get involved with social aspects by working with other organizations. Um, you know, most people only have expertise in certain things. So me and Bishoy, we were, we were really good at creating this product and we really wanted to incorporate a social aspect to it. But, you know, I hadn't, the, me and Bishoy hadn't the faintest clue on how to plant a tree. So, you know, we went to, we searched online for different organizations that like not-for-profit organizations that, that actually do plant trees. And, and we found one called Trees for the Future. And we, we actually work pretty closely with them in kind of getting this goal and this this uh, mission accomplished and and they kind of have a team of people that is already set up in these uh, these villages and these communities and they go and they plant the trees on our behalf so there there's just tons of organizations out there that you, that any company can really kind of partner up with and help push the mission further and faster because for any company it's I think there's experts in every field, and if you want to get something done, you should go to the experts. And for for planting trees, we went to the experts. Okay, wonderful. That's great. That's good advice. Yeah. Now, what advice, uh, Abraham, would you give to either college students or people anywhere who want to become entrepreneurs? Yeah, so for college, I feel like the, the advice is a bit different for college students versus someone who's you know already working full-time and, and has you know, a lot of responsibility and they need that kind of steady paycheck for college students. You know, you right now have the best time. And, and if you have even that slightest entrepreneurial bug, you're doing yourself a big disservice by not trying to start a business at this point, because there's no responsibilities. And especially with in this day and age of technology and being the fact that you're part of this technological movement as a college student, um, it's so easy to start up a business. You know, you can you can literally come up with the product, get a prototype, and test it within two weeks. And if you do that throughout your whole college career, it's very, very, very likely that you're going to find a successful product over you know a period of four years. Every two weeks, you're rolling out a new product. I, it would, it would be, <laughs> I love I would it. Find it hard. 
yeah, I would find it hard pressed that you can't find something that's successful, right? After you know, every two weeks you roll something out, you try a new business, you're just gonna learn and you're gonna you're gonna end up hitting that winning winning business model. So oh. you have if you have that entrepreneurial bug, you have to do it. Like it's you're doing yourself and consumers a disservice by not doing it. So that that's to the college students. Now to, to now let's just pause on that because think yeah. of the added education that is in itself going through every process of coming up with the idea, vetting the idea, talking with customers, uh, thinking about the support system that would need to be in place for it to uh, roll out if it were successful, uh, and then how to scale it. So, yeah. uh, you know, that is an education in itself that adds to whatever else they've chosen to study. So yeah, good. Exactly. Yeah. And how fun and exciting. Yeah, you're 100% right. And, you know, I will honestly tell you that in the last, um, you know, eight months that we've, eight, eight to 10 months that we've been running this business, um, I have learned much more than I did throughout my whole university career. And I think mostly all entrepreneurs will tell you that. It's just there's so much about the world that you don't realize until you actually interact with people, customers, other companies. And and until you're out there taking charge of these situations, you're not really learning much. Yeah. And uh, you are beginning to also address just uh, people anywhere who may want to become entrepreneurs. You That is a different class because uh, it is. You know, there's a, a, there are greater risk when they're established and if they have a family. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. There's, there's definitely greater risk and, and you know, you, you don't want to, if you have, let's say you have like two or three kids who are pretty young, you have to be cognizant of that as well. And, and you know, I think Gary Vaynerchuk, he, he puts it best. Uh, you know, you can go do your nine to five. You can go spend, you know, an hour or two with your kids. But once it hits 7 p.m., you have a lot of time until when you have to sleep at 12 a.m., right? So if you want to start a business, like giving the excuse that you don't have enough time because you're running a nine-to-five job is also not that great of excuse because even after spending some time with your kids, your friends and family or whatever your hobbies are, you still have from you know five hours every single day to try and run and start up a business. So you know, there, there's always time. You just have to find it and you have to prioritize it. So again, if you're older and you have a full-time job, you shouldn't let that stop you from starting a business. All you have to do is really prioritize and it'll happen. <laughs> Great advice. Great advice. Yeah. So well, what? it's Gary Vaynerchuk. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Well, it is. That, that that's true. I mean, if uh, somebody has this spirit and they want to do it, they, they need to balance their responsibility with also developing the idea. And yeah. uh, it comes through prioritizing your time and being thoughtful about that. So well, let's shift gears just a little bit. Uh, what have been your best ideas so far in helping your products be successful? Yeah, so definitely the social aspect. I think that was huge, right? Okay. Because it really resonated with our brand because we were – you know, we're making our products out of wood and we kind of wanted to have sustainable products. So we didn't want to just be cutting down trees to make our products. If we were going to do that, we wanted to at least, you know, compensate for what we were doing and then try and do more on top of that. So the fact that we plant 10 trees per product, it, it gives back way more than we take. So I think people kind of realize that and they, they, 
you know, they, they like our products because of that. So, and th that was, I think that was a big factor in, in why they were successful. Uh, number two, you know, they really got products have to be unique. Um, when, you know, if I tried to sell you an Apple iPhone before the Apple iPhone existed, you would have bought it just because the product is so unique and it's so good. And there's degrees to how, you know, good, unique products are. I wouldn't go as far as to say that, you know, my product is, you know, when watches are as unique and, or as uh, value providing as the Apple iPhone when it first came out. But there is a certain market for our products that provides value and, and being able to target that customer, um, you know, that kind of nature outdoorsy type of customer uh, really helped our products become successful in their niche. Um, so that, that was also really important. Uh, and the other thing, like the last thing, like I said, was kind of finding that gap in the market because for most, for a lot of products nowadays, there are tons of competitors and I think there's room. I think there's a lot of room for success, even though there's already competitors in the same niche. Well, those are really helpful ideas. Now, Abraham, what are the biggest mistakes that you've made that you wish you would have known about when you first started so that you could have avoided them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess every every company goes through mistakes and especially as a budding entrepreneur, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff you don't know. Um I guess the the biggest mistake we probably made near the beginning was kind of dealing with our suppliers, especially cuz our suppliers are overseas, they're in China. And there's always this kind of communication barrier with these suppliers. So, you know, originally when we were dealing with the suppliers trying to get all the prototypes in and doing like our first run of orders that we were going to, you know, get inventory for. We didn't really realize how closely knit we had to work with these suppliers uh, because we, we assumed that the stuff that we were telling them, they were translating it exactly how we had pictured it in our heads. And that actually turns out not to be the case often, especially when, you know, there's, uh, they don't speak English as their first language and that's the only language that you know, me and Bishoy were fluent in, um, you know, it kind of came across, um, we wanted something of a certain quality or, or we want, wanted, let's say a certain bend or like a leather strap on our watch. And, and that's not how it came out. And, it, you know, it wasn't that the supplier was necessarily a bad supplier. It was just more, we weren't able to communicate as effectively as, as we realized we were, uh, as we, we thought we were. So, so definitely the communication was bad and another um example was we had a sunglasses supplier he we we based our order on like what color sunglasses people were ordering very often and so we had expected that this color was going to be, be a bestseller and so we wanted to stock up on the inventory for it so we ordered the the sunglasses and you know we we had placed a lot of trust in this guy and it turns out when the sunglasses came um we had said the wrong word for the for the color that we wanted. And it uh -oh. turns, yeah, and it, yeah. It turns out that the color was completely wrong. So, oh no! And, and it was just semantics. You know, it's not something that we would have realized unless we, you know, we double, triple checked with him that the color was going to be right. We thought it was, you know, pretty obvious what the color would be, but it turns out it wasn't. So, so yeah. So that was one of the mistakes we made. Yeah. Well, we learn, don't we? Yeah, definitely. You're going to yes. make that one again? <laughs> no, definitely not. I think I think it's very uh it, we we work much closer with the suppliers now because it's, you know, like I said it's you realize it's not the supplier. It's it's at some point you have to be 
very, very, very on top of things until until things are extremely smooth. And we weren't at that point yet. So, yeah. Okay. And it's a real watch out, especially if you're working with a new supplier to take the time to confirm uh, what the product specs are. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's having that knowledge 100% is very key. Okay. Well, that is a great lesson learned. Now, Mm -hmm. I think that you shared that you and Bishoy have used social media quite a bit. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so what role does analytics play? How do you determine what's working, what's not working, and how do you use that in your organization? Definitely. So I think when a company starts off, they usually start off in, you know, one channel. Let's say, you know, they had, they became viral off, you know, or we started off of Instagram. Let's say another company started off Facebook or Twitter or whatever the medium is. There gets to a point where, where you're trying to grow as a company and and you kind of want to transcend the one home market that you have you know you want to expand and grow into other markets so you can grow as a company and for us we 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 were and we still are we're trying to figure out how to expand off of Instagram and outside of Facebook and and there's there's a bunch of different mediums um out there that you can use so you know Facebook ads is really big Google analytics so like doing campaigns through Google AdWords, um, Google Shopping, that's really big. Doing campaigns on Pinterest, Reddit, um, Twitter. Those are all mediums that we want to hit, but it's it's tough to analyze just based off of how much traffic is coming to your website. How do you know, you know whether Facebook is getting most of your sales or Instagram or, or Twitter or Pinterest? You, you really want to know whether the marketing dollars that you're investing into a certain channel or medium is giving you the return you want. So what, you know, analytics are pretty, uh, um, they're pretty good nowadays. So you can, you can track specifically how many sales came from Facebook, how many sales came from Instagram, how many sales came, um, you know, from a certain country. And once you drill down on the analytics, you can see, okay, I'm getting the most results from Facebook ads, um, from Australia, and that means I should dial up this campaign and you know put my efforts more in Australian marketing. So you know, really looking at the numbers and crunching them and seeing what's working for you and what's not working for you, it's it's something that we've you know that's kind of a philosophy that we've adapted and we've tried to really lean down our marketing spending dollars. And I think that's that's critical for any business. Okay, well that's terrific. And do you review your analytics? Is that a Weekly process, daily. What what's the frequency when you're that you review it? And and yeah, and should would you recommend somebody hire somebody from outside? Do they hire an employee? What's what's your recommendation in that area? So kind of two questions: the frequency and what are the best way to use resources to? Yeah, it it, it depends what stage you're at in the business. So um, if you have the resources to hire experts in that field. Then I think it's I think it's worth it because it can really speed up the the kind of process and learning how to use these different mediums and campaigns. But I don't think it's necessary. For example, um, I personally I, I look over these numbers every single day. You know, I see on a day to day basis, even on even on like an hourly basis sometimes when you know traffic is heavy. I'll be looking and I'll be watching these numbers and seeing, you know, where's this traffic coming from? Where are the sales coming from? Why, why is, are certain campaigns driving more traffic or sales compared to others? And, and I think as a business owner, especially in like, you know, this new day and age where 
online marketing is so important. Um, as a business owner, I think it's it's very important to be on top of things. So if you're going to hire someone, you better be very involved in the process because you don't want to just let someone else try and take over your company. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, you kind of lost your chance. So you definitely want to be in there and, and kind of calling the shots as well. And that, that's what we've done. Now, that's great advice. Well, Abraham, I am always amazed at how fast things go. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, like we're at the flies. yeah we're at the end of our uh, uh, interview time, and and uh, so do you have any final tips for our, our listeners and and especially our entrepreneurs from around the world? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, like I said before, starting a business in this day and age. Um, it's, it's so easy. All you have to do is you have to, you know, like I said before, you just have to create a prototype and survey some people. And, and if you, if you have a product that, you know, people are saying is going to be successful, um, you know, people are showing interest, you know, it's kind of your obligation, not only to yourself, but to the consumers who want this product, it's kind of an obligation for you to create the value, right? Um, you, if you can find a product that people are interested in, um, you're going to be directly able to create value for yourselves and for, for other people. And so I think that that goes to show that, you know, there's, there's demand out there for a certain product and, and you can make money off of it. And there's so many different products and niches where this is possible to, and, and I, I think a lot of people don't realize how many of their ideas are actually going to be successful. They think, you know what, it might not work. It, um, you know, it's just one of one of another one of these ideas that um, go by and and you know especially for people who are entrepreneurial minded, they're always thinking of these ideas and they're always festering uh, in their <laughs> minds, right? And but, but oftentimes nothing happens and and you know it's 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 a shame because um, if imagine they took these hundred ideas that they had in their mind and and just you know just tested it and tried it. And if they tried it over a period of, you know, five, six years, how many successful businesses could they create? And, and I'm very optimistic in, in, in the fact that people do come up with good ideas often and that it's, it's all about execution. And all you have to do is go and try to do it. What? So, yeah, yeah, you definitely to all the entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs, just try your idea and there's interest, just hammer it out. Oh, well, that's wonderful encouragement. Well, I've yeah. been so impressed with uh, Bishoy and Abraham here and the things that they're doing. I love their mission of leaving the world a better place, of planting the trees uh, that they've we've discussed on this podcast. So uh, yesterday, I in, in, or no, this morning, I invested in my own watch. From Truewood. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I cannot wait till it gets here. And the one that I ordered was the Onyx. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So that that product is actually it's the first ever marble and wood watch. So we we created the first watch ever that's made of real marble. It's it's real authentic marble and wood. So when you see the pattern when when it actually arrives to you, I think you'll be you'll be pretty curious. You can look inside and you can see the the stone that glistens and it, it, it's pretty cool. <laughs> It's hundred. It's very natural. Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so how can our listeners find out more about what you're doing, about your services and your products? Yeah, definitely. So anyone that's listening, just head over to our website www.mytruewood.com. If you search Truewood, T R U W O O D, 
um, in Google will be the first the link that pops up. And, you know, all our products are there. Our mission to plant, you know, one million trees by the end of 2018, that's over there as well. And uh, if, if you want to get involved in any way or help out, just shoot us an email in the contact form and and we'll we'll work something out. Okay, well, that's wonderful. Well, we've loved having you on our show today. And I mentioned earlier in the in our podcast uh, show today that uh, Becoming Your Best has an entrepreneur success boot camp. And this is all dedicated to you, to you entrepreneurs that uh, want to take this idea, whether you're in the early stage or mature, where you take a new idea and how do you fully scale it to be successful and avoid the pitfalls that take down so many companies. Uh, so uh, the Entrepreneur Success Bootcamp is dedicated uh, literally, whether uh, regardless what stage you're in, to learn how to avoid these things that trip you up uh, and as they work to become a disruptive company in the industries that, that they're in. So you'll find this information on becomingyourbest.com on the web website with the dates for this year. So uh, thank you once again, Abraham, for being part of this show today. Oh, you got it. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. You bet. You've done such a fabulous job. We wish you all the best as you're making a difference in the world. Awesome. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, never forget, you too can make a difference every single day of your life. I'm Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. Don't forget you can find more great episodes of the podcast at becomingyourbest.com forward slash podcast, along with great show notes, a full transcript of the episode, and all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Please share your comments and questions with us. We want to hear from you. The best way you can show your appreciation for our podcast is to leave an honest rating and review on iTunes. Now it's time for you to take action and truly start becoming your best. Remember, good, better, best. Never let it rest until the good is better and the better is best. <laughs>